I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me for the first time, secret, not so secret Mavs fan himself, the host of Locked On Thunder, Ryland Styles, one of the best names in the whole Locked On podcast network. What you got for me, Ryland? I've got a lot. I've got a lot of opinions on the Thunder, of course, hosting Locked on Thunder. And as you know, I am a part of the Raccoon Squad. So I've been listening (laughs) for a long time to to Locked on Mavs. You and Isaac do a great job. So it's great to be here. Yeah, man. I I remember you reaching out to me, I think, when we first even started Locked on. I mean, you've been listening for a really long time. You are really like a day one (laughs) member of the Raccoon Squad before I even like knew who you were. And then all of a sudden you're the host of the Thunder. I was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy from Twitter. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So, all right, on today's show, we are going to be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder with Rylan. He is also a Mavs fan, so we'll get some some thoughts from him. So, by the way, I, I want everyone to know that it's not just me that's the only you know host out there that's not a fan of the team that he covers necessarily, <laughs> or wasn't when they started. Right. Uh, so we'll get we'll get his story. We'll talk about the Thunder, all kinds of stuff with the Thunder. Is OKC a fire sale right now? What's the future of the Thunder? Could the Mavs get in on any of these guys? All the Chris Paul stuff. There's so much to talk about with Chris Paul. So we'll talk about all that with Ryland. So let's get into it. Let's start with the big thing. I think Chris Paul is probably the biggest story in the Thunder's offseason right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like Chris Paul, is he going to get traded? Is he not? What's the feeling right now, at least from OKC fans and from what you've heard from the organization? Is Chris Paul getting traded this offseason? I would say that he's absolutely going to get traded unless there's some just bizarre cap scenario in which no one has any money and they can't even match contracts, which seems pretty um, out there. I think that the organization is doing a, a terrible poker face right now because they're, they're still <laughs> leveraging the fact that, look, we can keep him around. We have the cap room to keep him around. He's publicly said he just wants to hoop. He doesn't care if it's in Oklahoma City. He doesn't care if it's in Dallas or LA. He just wants to play basketball. So they have that leverage to them. But I don't think that this market can can take just another mediocre season. Although this season was really fun and really exciting, and it was more than you bargained for, to become contenders again, you have to tank. And to tank, you need to trade Chris Paul. I think that they're going to get rid of him because I don't see his value ever getting higher than it is right now. And if it did, it would take a miracle season next year. I mean, he was in the MVP conversation and got MVP votes this year. Is that realistically going to happen next season? Yeah, it was absolutely wild. Isaac and I have talked about this a lot, and you know that – Chris Paul changed our entire outlook on him this past offseason. I mean, last offseason, his value is probably the lowest it's ever been in his career, right? He's coming off that season with the the Rockets, and he gets traded, you know, uh, with draft picks, basically, to to get Russell Westbrook with, you know, to the Rockets. I mean, that was pretty wild that those draft picks went with Russell Westbrook, both those contracts being really, really bad. So, you're right. It's not going to get any higher than it is right now. Um, I don't – so – you Thunder fans think that this past season was mediocre for them. I kind of look at it that it was way above expectations. I thought that it was a really, really good season considering where a lot of people thought the Thunder were going to be. No, this past season was incredible. It was fun. I would say that it's mediocre in the sense of this team is not winning a championship. This core yeah. is not winning a championship. To elevate yourself back to the place you want to be, you have to tank. And, and 
stringing out another year of Chris Paul being a four seed, having an amazing team that's appealing basketball to watch, which is a big selling point for Oklahoma City. They haven't really had appealing basketball to watch in the last four or five years. And they had that this year with Shea, with Baisley, Dort, Chris Paul. They played an actual style of basketball that was not just your turn, my turn. It was refreshing. This was one of my favorite seasons ever for the Thunder, despite not going to the Western Conference Finals or not going to the NBA Finals. It was one of my favorite seasons to watch. But the thing is, you just this is the best you're going to do. And if this is the best you're going to do with this core, I think you have to move on because, again, Chris Paul's value will never get higher than it is right now. But it, mediocre was just the sense of what this core is and not necessarily what the season was. The season was amazing. Yeah, see, they, they have higher expectations. They want to be, you know, back contending. And this was, it's a mediocre team, right? And that's not necessarily a mediocre season is kind of where you're going with that. So right now we, we mentioned Chris Paul's stock has kind of never been higher, but are people overvaluing Chris Paul? He seems like, it, you know, for the Bucks and for other teams, like, oh, he's the savior, right? He's going to come in and he's going to, you know, right the ship. He's going to be the one that, that takes the Bucks to the next level. Are people overvaluing what Chris Paul could actually bring to a team like the Bucks? I don't, I don't think they're overvaluing because I think that he has proven that he can be a good locker room player. And if he can somehow produce to this level he did this season again, that's obviously a great addition. I would say that people are getting a little bit too excited about him. Like if I was a Mavs fan, and I am a Mavs fan, but if, if the Mavericks <laughs> made a move for Chris Paul, I, I wouldn't be over the moon excited because I think that the Mavericks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and Mark Cuban has always had visions of, of landing that big fish, and he's never really done it in free agency per se, but he still has that hope and that, and that aspiration to get a big fish in 2021. And I think that Chris Paul probably takes you out of that market. So I think that fan bases are really excited about Chris Paul and the possibility of getting Chris Paul. And I would say that it's hard to overvalue him whenever I do Locked on Thunder and we're getting excited over a package that would include Kevin Knox and maybe a future <laughs> first round pick. I, I, don't, I think that the excitement around for the Thunder is, and the value for the Thunder is, you're moving off that contract, a contract in which a year ago at this time, it was viewed as why would the Thunder take this on? They're going to have to give up some of those 14 future first round picks to get off that contract. And now you're going to get a flyer prospect and a pickback for that contract while you've got four first round picks to get off of Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think that that's the big value here. And I think that if the Bucks are only going to make the move of just bringing Chris Paul, then they still have a lot of roster flaws. But I, I do think that Chris Paul is pretty much properly rated right now. It's interesting that, so I think the Mavs fan base can, can correct me if the, the Thunder fan base and the Lakers fan base and others, I don't, I don't think they ever use the vernacular big fish. It's kind of only, like it's, it's kind of a Mavericks thing, right? It's kind of a Mavs fan thing to say, to bring in the yeah, big fish. The Heat do whale. They all, Pat Riley loves to say that they're going to get the big whale <laughs> in free agency. So I think that only the fish is, is with Dallas. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if Mike Fisher has anything to do with that. He decided to brand it himself. Oh man. Uh, so Chris Paul, you think is, is pretty properly rated, but he's not going to come in. And like, if he's part of the, the bucks, you, you watch him every single day. You don't think that he's going to be like this. He's going to take them to like this next level. I'm, I'm super kind of worried about the bucks because the nets are going to come out of nowhere next year. I think that the, the heat aren't going anywhere. The Celtics should probably be better. I mean, it's not going to get any easier for them in the East this year. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Kane Pittman on Locked On Bucks said that this was probably the best chance they had to win a title. And now they're, you know, going into this next year with, you know, a lot of question marks. Yeah, this season for the Bucks feels a lot like the Kevin Durant season. Only with Kevin Durant, I always felt like he would sign a one year deal in Oklahoma City, 
to match up with Russell Westbrook because he was also, you know, of course, Westbrook had an extra year than Kevin Durant. So he'd, he'd come back for one year and then both of them would leave, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. I was under the impression that we'd get one more year before Kevin Durant left and he just left early and went to Golden State. This kind of feels like what the Buck fans are going through, like, oh my God, Giannis is going to leave, Giannis is going to leave. And I think that the Bucks are in a position where maybe the Thunder could get a bigger package from them because of their desperation. Because if you're the Bucks, how else are you going to improve that team? What's what's the big draw out there? Uh, I think that Chris Paul's one of, if not the best player on that market right now, free agency and trade-wise. Maybe Victor Ladipo could be better than him coming off those injuries, though. I think that they're kind of forced to go after a guy like Chris Paul, and I think that it's it's something that you would absolutely do as a team that that has the the space to do it and bring back Giannis, uh, but. If you if you swing whenever you're Milwaukee on Chris Paul and then Giannis walks and you're stuck with Chris Paul's contract for another year and you don't really have a direction, that would also be not a good thing for Milwaukee. I, I do think that Chris Paul to the Bucks is interesting. I don't know how he would fit with Giannis, but I do think that he would kind of help the role players and, and boost up the role players a little bit. Yeah, whichever role players are left, they have to match <laughs> yeah. salaries for him. I mean, $40 million to get him over there, which we've talked about a lot on this pod. But yeah, it's really interesting because all of the stars are kind of paired up right now, right? You have the two guys in Brooklyn, the two guys in, you know, four guys in LA on two different teams. You have the two guys in Houston. You have, you know, Luca Porzingis in, in Dallas. You have like all kind of different, you know, like two-man rosters right now. And there's not like, who are you going to split up, right? It seems like Chris Paul is kind of the only guy. People talk about Bradley Beal as being a guy you could split up. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, Carl Anthony Towns becomes available, but I don't know if that moves the needle for the Bucks at all. It's just kind of Chris Paul's become the guy that could be available. You said that you wouldn't be excited, you know, if the Mavericks traded for Chris Paul this offseason. Uh, outside of, you know, maybe a salary cap type thing, uh, it, it was, is there any reason you say that besides outside of a salary cap type thing? Because you watch him every single day. Well, I just think that if we're looking at this from the mass perspective, that you would get with Luca being the ball handler and Luca being ball dominant and Luca being your offense, you would get more, I think, out of adding Dennis Schroeder, who's an expiring contract and mm. can play off the ball and has played off the ball for the better part of two years now with Russell Westbrook last year. He was an excellent spot-up shooter, uh, the best of visibility with Russell Westbrook. And then he really mm. flourished in that three-guard system with him and Shea and, and Paul. I think that Dennis Schroeder is someone who can fit Luca more. And if it doesn't work out, he's off the books anyway. And you, you still have that flexibility to go into free agency and try to, you know, draw in Giannis or whoever uh, that Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson want to look at in free agency. Oh, that big fish. Oh, that, that big, big fish. fish. Always. Uh, all right, coming up, let's get into some more about the Thunder. I want to actually talk about the Thunder team because I'm really interested in this team. I said that it was the best coaching job available out there, that, the one that I would want uh, because of the pressure and all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit. Talk about the future of the Thunder. And I also want to talk about Lou Dort because I love Lou Dort. All right, let's uh, talk about that coming up. But before we do, rockauto.com is the place for you to go to get all the parts your car will ever need. I think that that's just such a good slogan for them because it just says what it is right off the bat. You don't have to wonder what else is there for you. It's all the parts your car will ever need, Rock Auto. Uh, there's so many different reasons that you should go to Rock Auto. They have an incredible catalog. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand specifications and the prices you prefer. You can see them all out in front of you. Just go put your car and make the model the year and all that. You'll see all the parts in front of you. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right in Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you? Again, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. 
And we're also brought to you by Built Go. Rylan, have you been able to try the Built Go yet? You know, I actually just got them in the mail and they're fantastic. They are so interesting. Isaac's going to be so mad that you got them. He hasn't yet. Isaac hasn't got his yet. <laughs> he feels really <laughs> left out. But Built Go is the new Built Bar product that is absolutely incredible. I, I don't really know how to describe it besides that it's a it's a 1.5 ounce package of like almost a peanut butter consistency Built Bar. There's three different flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate mint. It's the best workout gel on the market. It gives you that same kind of five-hour energy type without the same crash feeling. And so it has the caffeine plus the protein in it. And you combine both of those two together, you get built go. They're absolutely incredible. Uh, you get the energy gel and the, the, uh, the protein with it as well. Uh, the three different flavors go to builtgo.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. All right, Ryland, let's get into the Oklahoma city thunder. So we know that Danilo Gallinari, he's a you know a free agent. I'm assuming you're thinking he's probably going to leave and go somewhere else. Um, is OKC a fire sale after that? I mean, are all these guys leaving? Is you know Stephen Adams? Is he part of the future? Is he a trade piece? He's an expiring contract. You mentioned Dennis Schroeder before. He's an expiring contract. Is he going to be gone? Chris Paul, we've already talked about. You think he's going to be gone? Like, are all these guys just going to be gone by the time the next season starts? I think that that would be pretty ideal for the Thunder. I mean, you look at the 2021 class, look at the 2022 class. Those are two of the most hyped draft classes I can ever remember. I mean, everyone talks about those classes as if they have 5,000 Lucas, and obviously they do not. But (laughs) people are so excited about those draft classes. And for a team that needs to rebuild through the draft with already a cornerstone piece in Shea and whatever basically turns into a great defender in Dort, you have to hit on these draft classes and on these draft picks. And to do that, you need to be picking at the top. And to do that, you need to lose. And you're not losing with this team enough to be in that top five pick range. And so I think that with Gallo, there's a chance for a sign and trade because of just looking at the teams who will have cap space this offseason. I wouldn't think are appealing to Gallo. So the Thunder would have to make something work with him to go to a contender. And that can help the Thunder's case. Um, and then for Steven Adams, I think is the most interesting piece because I think that as we talked about a little bit before with the Mavericks, Dennis can fit a lot of places. I mean, he can fit in a lot of different teams and teams are going to want him, especially on an expiring deal with Steven Adams. He's proven the last three years. He can't really play. I mean, what's the playoff series where you feel comfortable <laughs> playing Steven Adams? He, he got played off the floor against Rudy Gobert, a traditional center. He got played off the floor against Enos Kanter. He got played off the floor against no center with the Houston Rockets. So wh- where's the matchup where you're going to play Steven Adams? And, and even though he's an expiring deal, there's no such thing as a bad expiring deal. I just don't see what team would want him. I don't think that he's a starting center in the NBA for a contending team anymore. Um, and, and we'll we'll see how that all pans out. I think that there's possibility to where the Thunder in this position where they're going to lose their top five contracts are off the book next offseason. They can take on long-term money during this tank to where you can move an expiring contract for a team that wants to open up 2021 cap space and bring back assets for Steven Adams. But other than that, as a salary dump, I, I don't know what his value would be, you know, association-wide. I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong what you think on the outside looking in, but for me, watching him, I mean, where can I play Adams in, in the playoffs when it really matters? Because if it's not against Rudy Gobert, if it's not against Enos Kanter, if it's not against P.J. Tucker, then where's the matchup? Yeah, I just got done yesterday. I don't know if you heard the show yesterday, talking about, look at all the centers that just played in the, the finals, right? You mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, 
Dwight Howard and Kelly Olenek, they were kind of getting some minutes and playing here or there. They, they started a lot and played a lot up to the finals, but then once they got to the finals, when it really mattered, Anthony Davis and Bam were the only two big men that could play, right? And those are those all-star special types that can also handle the ball. They can also shoot. They can do all the stuff. They can play defense at an extremely high level, even better than what Steven Adams can do <laughs> even. And so uh, once you get to the, the finals, once you get to a place where, you know, everything gets thrown out, you get uh, like – Dwight Howard is gone. Kelly Olynyk was gone at the end. Like even Myers Leonard, who can shoot, he's gone. He's not playing. JaVale McGee, who started all year for the, the Lakers, he's just gone. He didn't see any minutes in the finals. I mean, yeah, that's an extreme example in the finals. But even with Steven Adams, we've talked about him a lot as a Mavericks target. And I'm just completely out on guys like that. And I think all the reasons you just mentioned are the reasons why I am. Like, I just don't want any more assets being thrown at guys that aren't going to play in a finals. I just think that's where the, the Mavericks have to be, right? And I think a lot of teams kind of feel like they're there, right? The Nuggets feel like they're there. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Rockets feel like they're there. You know, it's all these teams kind of feel like they're there already, unless you're getting, you know, a Hawks team that, you know, brings in, Kel- you know, Clint Capella. Like, that's the only kind of situation where I'd see someone go after, you know, a, a Steven Adams type player is one of those like lottery type teams, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just as simple as, you know, the playoffs. And that's what really matters for most of these teams in the NBA. Whenever the Thunder made that amazing 25-point comeback against Utah in that playoff game, which I was at, by the way, subtle flex, <laughs> he's on the bench waving the towel because Jeremy Grant's playing your small ball five, and that's, that's your best lineup. I just think that there's not a really a, a big role for him anymore. And on the flip side of that coin, as I know, Thunder fans love Stephen Adams. He's a fan favorite, so they don't like whenever you talk bad about him. You know, maybe he can benefit from a role reduction because of his play style. His play style is that energy giver. He he's a gritty player, an enforcer. He dives for the loose balls, and then by the time February rolls around in a traditional calendar, by the time February and March rolls around, he's banged up. He's not himself. He's not one hundred percent, and so you reduce that role for him throughout the regular season, and maybe he can provide you more in the postseason. But I, I just struggle to find where he fits in in the modern NBA as we continue to go to the extreme and to the switch abilities. I don't think you can switch Steven Adams. I know you can't switch Steven Adams. So I just struggle to find where his value is at. And I know that even last offseason, you and Isaac talked about bringing him into Dallas. And I just don't see a fit for Dallas or really any team around the NBA for Steven Adams. I think that that's part of the reason why he could be a long-term piece for Oklahoma City in the sense of he still has that original Thunder culture. He was raised by Kendrick Perkins and Nick Collison. He's a good <laughs> screen setter for your ball handlers. And he goes from being your starting center to playing 15, 20 minutes a night as on the bench roll. And he slowly fades into what Nick Collison was at the end of his career. He slowly fades into what UD is right now. And that's kind of where you draw the line for Steven Adams, I think. It's funny that you said raised by Kendrick Perkins, and that's a positive thing. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I consider that a positive. Hey, it, hey, there, there are there are stories out there where it's where the only reason why he's as tough as he is right now is because of Kendrick Perkins, because Kendrick Perkins literally beat him up in a practice, and he he said, "You got to get tougher than that, big boy." And Kendrick Perkins raised him. What's the what, what's the series where Thunder fans always say, "Oh, if Kendrick Perkins had only played or started, what's the." Was it the if if he wouldn't have played against the Heat, if he, they would have taken oh, right, him off the right. floor more <laughs> against the Heat, they think that they would have won. I think that you can really blame James Harden more for not showing up, but that's neither here nor there. Well, it's it's here now because <laughs> James Harden has continued to not show up in certain <laughs> certain games like that. Uh, but all right, let's. Uh, I want to move on to to some of the young guys. Um, I I love SGA. Isaac and I both love SGA. We, we've we've loved him. You know, since he was drafted, I think he's just really, really good. What do you think is his ceiling? So I want to talk, let's talk about this Thunder future. What's the ceiling for SGA in your opinion? 
to me, his ceiling is a top 15 player in the NBA. Is he going to reach that ceiling? Mm. I'm not so sure. To me, what excites me the most is he has the frame and the size that if he will lock in defensively, he can be a traditional, uh, well, now a modern, switch everything, versatile defender. The problem is he's falling a bit into the Russell Westbrook category defensively where he'll, he'll lock in for a few possessions. He'll look really good defensively. And then he'll have those lulls again in, in the middle of the game or the start of the game. And he's really spotty with how much he gives defensively. If he can clean that up and then you look at his offense and up until the postseason, he was the Thunder's best offensive player. But in the postseason, he got hesitant. He was indecisive. He just couldn't nail his shot. He lost his lift on his jump shot. I don't know if that's an injury or what. But, you know, I, I talked about this yesterday after watching Jimmy Butler. I like what Jimmy Butler did in this, in this playoff run here at the Heat where there are some games that he's going and getting you those buckets and he is pouring it in and he's the only reason you're scoring. And then there's other games where that team was fully healthy that he was able to just sit back and be a facilitator and let the game come to him and not force up those shots, not force in those points. He can let Tyler Hero go off or Duncan Robinson go off. And that's something that the Thunder haven't really had is, is someone who can defer and facilitate and not feel the pressure that's on them. A lot of that is due to you need to build a better team of role players around Shea than you do with Russell Westbrook. But still, I think that he's a better facilitator. I think he can get to the rim and he can shoot. I think that Shea has the potential and the ceiling of a top 15 player. Yeah, man. In that game seven, that game seven against the Rockets, Thunder Rockets, I was, if Shea was more to like 50% more decisive, right? Or maybe even 25% more decisive. I think the Thunder win that game. <laughs> he yeah, was... Man, he was so disappointing at the end there. I just every time he touched the ball, I was thinking, no, no, don't touch. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Do this instead. He looked really indecisive, like you said. I mean, uh, it's he's a really young player, though, right? I think he's 20, 21. So he's uh, and that's he, what was so weird about it, too, is because you know, you go back to last year's first round series whenever he was with the Clippers against the the Warriors and Oracle. I mean, it was the, the final playoff run in Oracle, and the fans were going crazy. And he was playing the point guard role instead of having Chris Paul with him. He was playing at the point guard for Doc Rivers and he looked poised under control. He looked like he knew what he was doing for most of that series. And it just didn't translate this year. And I don't know if it's the bubble. I don't know if it's an injury, but this postseason was far different than his last postseason experience. That's a, that's really weird because we kind of said the same thing about Luca in his second year, right? I mean, the clutch stuff just wasn't there until obviously the playoffs and he went absolutely mm -hmm. nuts uh, and hit that game winner. But you know, we, we can't erase the whole season of, man, just, just it just wasn't there like it was in his rookie year in the clutch. I, just, I wonder if that's uh, the league adjusting to what these players do or if that's just a second year, like I'm, second, I'm questioning myself or I don't know what it is, but that's interesting that that's a through line with both of these guys. Yeah, I think that it could be the league adjusting because, I mean, I think that he was the leading scorer the regular season, of course, with 19 points. I mean, they did a good job of, of kind of spreading out the scoring, but still, he was a part of your, your force offensively the entire season. Then you go to the bubble. He has that one huge game against Utah where everything was clicking. And then from there, teams kind of adjusted to him, and I don't think that he kind of responded all too well, although he had the chance to. And that's what that's what I think is my biggest hope for him is that I, I know that there's something in there where he has a high basketball IQ that I would bet on his indecisiveness going away. And once that goes away, it unlocks a whole new aspect of his game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, it didn't change what I thought about, you know, SGA going like after that game, I just was like, man, if he was just a little bit better, they could have beat the Rockets and that would have been so great. We would have laughed so much, but all right, coming up, let's talk about more of the Thunder's future. And then we'll get into a little bit about the Mavericks, Luca, Porzingis, all that stuff. We'll get Ryan's takes on it coming up. All right, Ryland. Lou Dort, let's get into it. What do you think? What is Lou Dort, right? Like he's he 
He's in the G League in January of this year, and then all of a sudden he's guarding James Harden in the first round, and he scores 30 points in a game seven. I mean, this guy absolutely came out of nowhere. He definitely raised his stock more than anybody in the in the playoffs, even more than Jimmy Butler or Jamal Murray. Like He raised his stock so much from, from zero, basically, to like a player that people know. What is Lou Dort, do you think? Do you think that he's this like all – all defense type player you think he's just a solid starter like what do we think Lou Dort is so it's funny that you mentioned that like he raises stock and, and everything because I don't know if you caught it but Austin Rivers had a Instagram live or something and whether this is true or not he says that he had no idea who Lou Dort was whenever they entered that series <laughs> I guess he didn't go through this the game plan or the scouting but he said he had no idea who it was and then hey the way that sudden, Doc Rivers does his scouting I'm not surprised that that kind of translated to his son <laughs> And then all of a sudden, here's this Lou Dort guy, and he couldn't wait to play him off the floor, and he was sliding his feet on everybody. There's a few expletives in there, which is just obvious when you're going up against Lou Dort. <laughs> I think that Lou Dort, I, I've made no bones about it. I think that he has the potential, especially as we shift into this switching everything. And he's he's not the tallest or lengthiest guy, but he's built like a fullback, as Austin Rivers did say in that periscope, that he can be one of the all-time defenders in this league because if he can shut down James Harden, who nobody's had the privilege of anyone even remotely saying that they shut him down. Most of the time, whenever James Harden is off, it's because James Harden failed to show up, not because of what the defense did, but you saw the the basketball IQ and awareness and the defensive mentality of him to simply contest jump shots and immediately as you got to the highest point of your jump, pull his arms back down. You're not going to hook me, James Harden. You're not going to get those cheap fouls on me. And no one else has seemingly done that and, and figured out how to not foul James Harden. And this is a guy who didn't get to practice with his team. He was not on a full NBA contract until the hiatus. So he did not get any time to practice because those practice days count against the two-way contracts. He was either with the blue or it was game day and he was with the thunder. And that was it. And so he was still able to have that rapport with these, with these guys defensively and play so good defensively, which is really about communication and about understanding where Steven Adams will be on the back end, understanding when you're going to switch. And, and he was able to just pick it up naturally. So you give him a full off season, you give him a full training camp. And I think that the ceiling is so high for Lou Dort that he can be one of the best we've ever seen at defending the basketball. Wow. I don't, wow, one of the best we've ever seen defending the basketball. That's that's super high praise for that guy. He can be PJ Tucker to me, right? Like I think he's the next, you know, player like that. We always say, oh, it'd be great if you know the Mavs could get a PJ Tucker or if this team could get a, a PJ Tucker. You know, like there's just not many of those around. He's just kind of a really unique guy. And Dort comes in and he kind of is that mold, right? He's this really stocky guy that's not super tall but can play against bigger guys because he's stronger, super long arms, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that that's what kind of what I see there. And then the talk of his defense, I mean, obviously. Uh, what is Darius Baisley? Because I've heard you talk about he's part of the future. You mentioned him at the, the, you know, the top of this podcast. What is Darius Baisley going to be? What do Thunder fans expect from him? What is, like, his future? Well, the good thing for Darius Baisley is that nobody really expects anything from him. I mean, the, the Thunder fans have already moved on to Cade Cunningham, who is the, <laughs> the, the top pick in next year's class, and Shea and Dort. But for Baisley, to me, I, I'm, I'm still a firm believer in Baisley being something. And I think that he can be a part of, of your starting core when you want to compete again, because he can play that small ball five. And you saw in the bubble, he did a little bit of that because he can rebound. And his best asset, in my opinion, is his playmaking. And he does not get to display that when he's playing with three other guards at the exact same time. So when you take away his best asset, of course, he's not going to 
look like the first round pick he once was, but whenever he gets those rebounds, he can go coast to coast. He's a good rebounder. He can go coast to coast with the basketball. He can set up his teammates. He can knock down three pointers. He even added a step back somehow in the bubble. I'm not sure if that's going to be sustainable, but I think that Darius Baisley can be a starting caliber player in this league. And so for the 21st overall pick, that's pretty good whenever you're going to add in a top five pick this year, a top five pick next year, and then still have 13, 12 future first round picks. So I think that Darius Baisley's potential is still out there because we haven't even gotten to see him put his best foot forward and his best skill set forward, which is his playmaking. And again, you just can't do that when you're playing with three other guards. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him, SGA, and Dort like all play together. And then, you know, Steven Adams or whoever they put in there. Uh, a couple other guys, and then we'll talk about the Mavs. Um, what happened to my guy, Terrence Ferguson? I was so high on <laughs> Terrence Ferguson. I thought he was a solid starter. I thought he was going to be, you know, decent at least. And then he just seemed like he completely fell off. What happened to my guy? He just got scared. And I don't know if if you put it together, if you if you remember, but whenever you had that that huge podcast defending Terrence Ferguson, defending his <laughs> honor against Isaac. I tweeted at you from the Thunderous Intentions Twitter account. And I was the one that was tweeting at you like, okay, Nick's our guy. Nick's <laughs> our guy. He's on Team Ferguson. I was doing that from the Thunderous Intentions Twitter account. And he's just a scared puppy out there. <laughs> he's, had a ton, he's had a ton of off-the-court issues, which you always hate to see a, mm. a messy custody battle. Uh, now, again, some rape allegations against him, which we'll talk about on tomorrow's Locked on Thunder, because today we're going to have you on. And, you know, he's had some drama off the court that you just hate to see he was involved with. And by the way, for anyone that, that isn't so inclined to that story, the Oklahoma, you know, police did not look into this, did not look into the earth. They said there was not, there's nothing to do there. There's no investigation to be had, but she is going to sue him. So it's unclear what actually happened in that case scenario, yeah. but that's just still something that was thrown at his feet during the season. And I think that you're seeing a loss of Russell Westbrook because I think that he's the opposite of what I call Sabonis syndrome. And Demontis Modis was still a very good basketball player in Oklahoma City. And he saw, and you saw all-star potential. If you go back and watch him from his Oklahoma City days, you saw the potential there. But whenever he was on the floor with Russ, he looked scared and out of his mind. And he forgot how to play basketball whenever he was with Russ. And Ferguson's the opposite of that. When he's not with Russ, he loses all of his confidence and he just couldn't shoot threes and he's only a serviceable to good defender. And that just won't get it done whenever your best asset is a above average defender. That's just not going to work. And he just fell off a cliff so hard. Yeah, it was really sad. It was really sad how far he fell off a cliff. Um, And then Hamidi Diallo, slam dunk champ guy that you know, somebody, is he somebody that the Thunder fans look at and say he could be, you know, potential for us? Or is he the Thunder's Justin Jackson? Yeah, I think that he's the Justin Jackson of the Thunder. I, I think that he'll be the, the the beneficiary of playing a couple more years in Oklahoma City as they're tanking. Maybe he's still in the roster when they make the playoffs again. Probably not, though. I will say he had a really good stretch to start this season um, until his his injury in, in December that, that you can really point to and look at. But his his biggest things you have to work on is there are things that I don't think you can just pick up overnight. I think you have to have them or you don't. And it's the fact that he's out of control when he's playing. The game is way too fast for him. He has bad shot selection. He can't shoot. And, and you're going to your three, four, you just aren't going to get those overnight, but for a second round player, that's more than you can bargain for whenever you're picking a guy in the second round to have the slam dunk championship, which gives you a little good little feel-good moment in the All-Star weekend, and then be a nice little role player and get you through the slog of the regular season. Never did anything in the postseason, but that's fine. And that's all. And I think that for a second-round pick, he did his job, but 
I don't see how anyone can view him as a as a guy moving forward, but he'll be a fun player to watch in the tank. I mean, hopefully in these couple of years where you're trying to lose, he can still have some highlight dunks. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that for sure. And maybe, you know, you add, you know, he adds a three point shot or something to his game and all of a sudden it, you know, changes for him. These guys are still super young and they can, you know, add and get better. And, you know, if we look at Giannis and guys like that, he wasn't very good at when he first came in the league and, uh, we'll see what happened to him. So, all right, I was just interested in those part, guys. And, and after after you defended Terrence Ferguson a couple of years ago, I'm going to clip that part and say, look what Nick Hingstead said, that Hamadou Diallo can turn into Giannis because Giannis <laughs> was very good at the start. So don't give up on him yet. You never know. You never know. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Mavericks? Let's just get some, some quick takes on, do you think that they are, you know, conference finals team next year? What do you, what do you want them to add? What's your biggest thing that you're, you're thinking about this offseason? So we'll talk about this on Locked on Thunder because I want to get your take on it because you are more in the know with what the actual fan base has to say. I'm just one single fan. But to me, I think that you go in the next season and you make improvements on the perimeters you know, in between the margins, but you're waiting it out for, for the chance at the big fish next off season because I think that the team is pretty well set right now. I mean, I'm not sure where you go. Maybe I know that, that you're high on Victor Ladipo adding him in maybe Eladipo, but I just like where the team's at. And as far as expectations go, if they're healthy, I think that you at least need to make the second round just to continue that, that climb up the staircase and up to the ladder. I, I think that a second round appearance would not be too much to ask for the Mavericks. And, and I think that it's going to be super fun to continue to watch them. And, and I'm glad that at least one of my teams is not tanking anymore. <laughs> I know we really flipped spots with that. I think uh, the Thunder were like this really good team. You mentioned the Thunder have only had one, this one losing season, right? And uh, yeah, and the, now, the only time that they've ever lost that wasn't due to just injury because they missed the playoffs a couple of years ago with the with the Kevin Durant injury and Russell Westbrook injury in the same season. But the, their very first season in Oklahoma City, they were dreadful. But the fan base was just excited that we had a basketball team in Oklahoma City. Who would have ever thought that Oklahoma City would have a basketball team? So now I'm interested in how the fan base reacts to a team purposely trying to lose. Yeah, which is what happened to the Mavericks. They were really good with Dirk for so long, and then all of a sudden they had the you know Dennis with Junior, Harrison Barnes, Yogi Ferrell teams, and that's when I came hey, in to start covering. Yogi. That's when I first came to start covering the math. All right, if you want to hear more of our talk about the Mavericks, go to Locked on Thunder. The episode today will be me and Ryland talking about the Mavericks. So if you want to hear more Mavs talk, go ahead and listen to that. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. I was lightning before the thunder. Uh. 